0: From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com.
1: We have a lot to cover. You just heard uh, David Tepper during his his press conference yesterday saying he hopes the next coach will be around 30 or 40 years and giving the eulogy at his funeral. So, of course... The name that is being floated around and connected to the the Panthers in the last 24 hours most often is a guy that's 71 years old. Who's older than Tepper? Who's older than Tepper? Go figure. So naturally, Bill Belichick gets mentioned. Who, 40 years from now, will be 111. But if there was someone that was going to be alive at 111, Bill Belichick's a pretty good guess. I'd say so. Bill Belichick. And this isn't, this isn't just, you know, make-believe, right? Boston Globe's Ben Volan says this is a, a direct quote from the, the Boston Globe. This isn't just my opinion. This is based on conversations with league sources. Keep a close eye on Belichick in Carolina.
2: By the way, he was on with the Adam Gold show earlier today, and that conversation is on 99 on the fans
1: YouTube page. Based on conversations with league sources. Hmm. Hmm. Are you excited? No. The, see, here's the thing. Here's why I don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, in addition to any name right now is wildly speculative, right? It's just it's so early in the process. You don't know what other jobs are gonna be open. It's it's wildly early. But in addition to that, I don't think the need and the wants of the two sides line up. I, I actually could see why the Panthers might want Bill Belichick. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? I could see why they might want one of the best coaches of all time. I could see why they might want him. But he is, A, no-nonsense. He knows exactly what he wants, and he's been around a winning team for a long time. So if you need somebody to come in and put out fires and and get from, from negative to neutral, I think he could do that. And, and you know, three or four years, I think he could give you that, right? I don't think he's, he's willing to sign up for anything beyond 74, 75 years old. Now think of that pitch you'd have to make to, to Bill Belichick. Hey, coach, can you fix all of our problems? Can you uh, cover up all the really, really massive warning signs? Can you get us back to a respectable franchise in time to pass it off to someone else who will benefit from all your work? I don't think Belichick is that dude right now. If Belichick leaves New England, guess who he's competing against? I'll give you a minute. All right, less than a minute. Tom Brady, right? If he leaves New England, he wants to go somewhere, win a title, be like, ha, see, I could do it too. He's got seven, I've got seven. We had six together. See ya. So asking him to come to Carolina, it's a tough question to ask. It's a tough question to ask. So I don't think it's going to happen. I get why, and I get why the next person might be that person, right? The, the Panthers might be looking to hire their Mark Jackson, not their Steve Kerr. What I mean by that is they might be looking to hire their, hey, you're going to get this doldrum, this dungeon franchise back to where they have a couple building blocks. They have a couple of, of uh, uh, key pieces in, in place, and then we're going to go look for the guy that's going to win the title. That happens all the time. Not as well as it did with the Warriors, but it does happen all the time. Do you think Bill Belichick is going to be Mark Jackson? No, not at all. I don't think anyone signs up to be Mark Jackson in that. Like, hey, let me, let me coach him for three, four, five years, get him really excited, right? lay the foundation, then someone else can come in and get all the glory and have the highest winning percentage in NBA history like Steve Kerr had for a while. I don't think that's how it's going to go. But it is worth mentioning that somebody out there has a source in the NFL that says Belichick in Carolina now I said this long ago, but I'll say it again the the one saving grace that might overlook all of those hurdles is I do think Tepper is meaning David Tepper the the owner of the Panthers is universally powerful enough within that franchise and I don't want to say stubborn enough, but bold enough to say, Belichick, you are the GM. You are the coach. You answer to me and me alone. And here's a boatload of money. I'm not sure other franchises are going to be that uh, uh, bold. And I do think that is what Bill, Bill Belichick is looking for. I think he's looking for somewhere where he can go and be the master of his domain, the king of his castle. He could be the king of that Carolina facility. Earlier today on On like our morning show, Chris Canty, one of the, uh, the, the co-hosts, you can hear every morning, right here on 99.9 The Fan, uh, said this about what Tepper needs to do next.
0: Last time I checked, football ain't his business. He's not a football guy. He's a football fan that has to happen to have a lot of money, and that's why he could buy a team. But it's clear and obvious that he don't know what the hell he's doing. When you're hiring and firing coaches midseason every single year in back-to-back years, something we've never seen, it's obvious you don't know what you're doing. At this point, you need to give way, give up your veto power, and let the football people in the building handle the football business. If he's going to get out of the way
1: for anyone, maybe Belichick's that dude. If you're going to get out of the way for anyone, maybe it's, hey, I'm not going to kowtow to Frank Reich but I'll out to six rings. Maybe that's what it is, maybe that's what it takes.
0: Maybe. So the reason I chose William Peace was because of their stellar game design program. It's very rare to find a game design program in the United States at all, let alone North Carolina
2: away
1: let's update the bryceometer to the exact place it was uh it is as low as it will go without being in the is cam available part of the meter i refuse to suggest anything that involves replacing bryce but i also i've never gained confidence in a quarterback when they start changing coaches around him
2: Mm
1: -hmm. that's hard that's often what's contributed with ruining a quarterback when, when they, oh, he's had this many head coaches and this many coordinators in his first X amount of years. That's usually like an excuse. That's like, hey, he never really had a chance. At minimum, Bryce Young will have four play caller changes in his first season going into a second season. Because from Frank Reich to Thomas Brown, that's one. From Thomas Brown to Frank Reich, that's two. From Frank Reich to Thomas Brown again, that's three. From Thomas Brown to whoever's calling plays next year, that's four. That's not a good incubator to develop a quarterback. If you include interim and whoever they hire next year, in his first 18 games, he'll have three head coaches, Frank Reich, now Chris Tabor, whoever they hire next year. Mm Mm-hmm. He'll have two offensive coordinators, Thomas Brown and whoever they bring in next year. He'll have three quarterbacks coaches. He'll have Josh McCown, whoever they have for the rest of the year. I guess it's Caldwell kind of stepping into that role. I guess, yeah. And then whoever they have for next year, that can't raise confidence. Third play caller, <laughs> third play caller on a, on a, a fifth play calling switch. Yeah, <laughs> like there's there's absolute young quarterbacks crave consistency. This guy has had. No consistency around him. Not to mention the fact that I would guess his number one wide receiver will change. I would guess someone in the backfield might change. I would guess most of the players up front will change. Right? DJ Chark signed a one-year deal. I don't expect him coming back. They have to make some kind of splash with a with an offensive player, maybe a T. Higgins, which would be better, but would not be consistent. There are some reasons to be optimistic about what's happening with Bryce Young, right? I, I, we talked about it yesterday. Quieting the noise in the quarterback room, having less cooks in the kitchen, meaning Bryce Young, you know, as recently as a week ago, was trying to listen to Frank Reich's advice Thomas Brown's advice, Jim Caldwell's advice, Josh McCown's advice, and assistant head coach slash running backs coach Deuce Staley's advice, not to mention what maybe Andy Dalton is kicking in as a veteran quarterback in the room, and not to mention you know his own voice, right? What he wants to do and things that he thinks is right. So that's seven voices right there, including Bryce's. After one week, it's down to four. And one of them is Bryce's own voice. So it's really down to 3 from 6 to 3. If you mix in that Jim Caldwell and Thomas Brown might have streamlined that relationship a little bit now that there's not so many voices. You know, I don't think Caldwell's going to be talking directly to Bryce often. Right? He he'll, he'll be dealing with Thomas Brown. So going from 6 maybe 7 voices to 3 is 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 reason to be optimistic, but but it's not consistent. It's different. And it's different, and it's different in so many ways. Chris Canty on On Like Morning Show. You can hear it every morning right here on 99.9 The Fan. His co-hosts, Evan Cohen, Michelle Smallman. Uh, Chris Canty talked about if, or answered the question on, can Bryce Young still be good?
0: To say that Bryce Young can't be a competent NFL quarterback is irresponsible. But I also think it's equally as irresponsible to think that Bryce Young is going to be better than C.J. Stroud based on what we've seen. Like, looking at the trajectory of the two players, I don't think there's an argument to be made about who the better pro is going to be. It's C.J. Stroud. And that's no—it's just what it is. Now, I'm not saying that Bryce Young can't be good, but clearly, in hindsight, the pick was C.J. Stroud, not Bryce Young.
2: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping
1: So Brian Murphy, WRL investigative reporter, joining us here. Uh, the real reason I brought you on is I want to talk about the uh, the latest in the sports gambling coming to North Carolina. You've been doing a great job covering it. Uh, WRLSportsfan.com for everybody that wants to read his his coverage. But, um, you know, you're, you broke just moments ago that the the NC Lottery Commission chair says sports betting in North Carolina will not begin before the Super Bowl. As somebody that would enjoy betting on the Super Bowl, my question is why not?
2: Well, I mean, this is a long process. They, they just uh, today approved the application process for these operators. That deadline is now December 27th. So the Bet MGMs of the world, the FanDuel's, the DraftKings finally will have a form that they need to fill out, uh, including key persons that have to have background checks. The commission will have then 60 days uh, from when those applications are completed to do those background checks and to either issue a, a license or to deny their license, and then I think sports gambling can start in the state. So, if you back that out two months from December twenty seventh, I think we're looking at the beginning of March and just in time for the NCAA tournament.
1: Okay. So, you uh, last time we we talked, you did mention that usually these kind of intro dates are are maybe not intended to, but they seem to always fall right before big events, and you know Super Bowl. Uh, March Madness, maybe something like the the U.S. Open in in and Pinehurst. Uh, March Madness seems to be where you think the the tea leaves are pointing.
2: Yeah, if you look at the timeline they've they've sort of laid out, uh, you know, 60 days from that December 27th date, they said anybody that gets their application in by that December 27th date uh, should be approved in time for the go live date. Now they they were clear to say. We do not have a go live date. We will <laughs> announce that in the future. They think they may get hundreds of applications. It's not just uh, the operators uh, that they're gonna get licenses from. They're gonna get license, uh, license applications from suppliers and, and all these different aspects that go into uh, putting sports betting on. Um, and so they've gotta go through a lot of, a lot of applications. Now, you know, certainly for the big companies, it should be pretty easy. They've been licensed in 25 other states. It shouldn't be a big problem. Uh, some of these smaller vendors you know, they may require a little bit more extensive background checks to make sure they're on the up and up. So um, I I think that December 27th date really is pointing me towards sometime in in early March.
1: Brian Murphy, WRL investigative reporter joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. What is included in the applications? Right. I feel like if you're getting hundreds of them that you can weed that out almost by making them provide more, uh, you know, proof that they can handle it or, or I don't again, I don't know what goes into these applications.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a ton of information that they have to they think that the applications will be like thousands of pages by the time you submit all the information that you have to submit. I mean, the most important things they have to submit one of these written designation agreements. So I think we're going to start to hear a lot more about these written designation agreements in order to get a license to take bets here in North Carolina. You've got to have an agreement with, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Charlotte Hornets, Carolina Panthers. Or one of the venues that's allowed to have this so we saw a couple of weeks ago the charlotte hornets announced their deal with uh, bet 365. i think uh in the next couple of weeks we're going to hear about other deals between operators and teams venues uh, franchises um leagues in the case of like nascar and the PJ tour um and so that's one big thing but you've got to show that you have a responsible gaming plan you have to show that you're, you're, you meet the IT compliance and IT security aspects. You, your key people have to do background checks. Have they ever been committed, uh, convicted of a crime? Uh, there's, a, there's an awful lot in those applications. Now, The big companies have had to fill out very similar applications in, in all these other states. Shouldn't be a huge problem, but it is a lot of paperwork that, that they've got to handle and, and all this is in the law. So it's not like the commission is just making this up. The law dictates that all this stuff must be on record. Background checks must be done. All, all that is in the state law.
1: If if hundreds are being submitted or expected to be, how many are going to be accepted? Is this a, a like a tryouts period where you know high school like uh, basketball? There's going to be a list posted outside the locker room that we're all going to go read, and these twelve names get it.
2: Yeah. It- no, because of that written designation agreement. So we're only thinking to see op- operator applications from the people who, who know they're going to get one. And those are the people that have the, those are companies that have agreements with the, the teams. I think the vendor licenses, the, su- the supplier licenses, the other people that work on the back end, uh, people who do geo compliance, uh, people who do, um, you know, transactions, handle the handle the money on the backside. They all have to get licensed as well in the state. And so I think th- that's where you're going to get maybe the hundreds of applications from. As far as the the actual operators, I, I think you'll see a very small amount of operators apply because it does cost, I think, close to a million dollars to apply. And if you're you know you're not going to get one because you don't have one of these agreements, then why would you waste all that time?
1: Brian Murphy of WRAL Sports Investigative Reporter joining us. Uh, Brian, I'm 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 going to pivot here. Obviously, very interested in the the sports gambling stuff, but you've also been following the the uh, collectives and the NIL around college sports. Um, I've been asking around, and I don't really, I haven't really gotten an answer to this. So maybe you can help me. And, and if there just isn't an answer, maybe you can put that to end as well. Um, the news earlier this week that Casey Concepcion has signed with Savage Wolves for 2024 it's being promoted or it's being spread as if that, that somehow binds him to North Carolina state for a year. How, like, like what, what does it mean when someone signs with the collective for a season? Is there a buyout? Is there a exclusivity? Like, what does that mean? It's
2: a great question. And I talked to Tom LeVolsi over there with Savage Wolves to try to like nail this down a little bit. Um, I I didn't I didn't get it nailed down and that's not Tom's fault, but it's it's very complicated. Like we were not used. We're used to people signing a a letter of intent, Mm -hmm. signing with the school. Uh, You know, what does it mean to sign with one of these collectives? The way it's been explained to me, not in this Casey's case, but other cases is, you know, you sign up to make certain appearances and and those appearances will probably be in Raleigh. Um, (laughs) And so it would be awfully hard for you to be playing football at Alabama and also being able to make your appearances in Raleigh, North Carolina at the designated times to fulfill the obligations of your contract. Um, I mean, these have to be some sort of contracts, they have to be reciprocity coming back and forth. I don't think you can simply say, we'll just pay you. And I'm throwing out a number, I do not know what Casey Concepcion is going to get but say $250,000. They, they, there has to you have to do something to earn that money. Um, however, Lenient that might be, however, you know, trivial the work might be, you have to give something back. And, and obviously, in Savage Wolf's case, they have experiences, they have autographs, they have things that the members can do, the people who donate their money can do with these athletes. And so they're, they're a little different, I think, than some other NILs. They kind of offer these experiences that you're paying for with the, and then the athletes perform those experiences as as their end of the bargain. And Matt Rule, our good friend. Uh, <laughs> I know Dennis's uh, ears just perked up. He said today that a, that a good quarterback in the portal costs between one million and two million dollars. Um, so th- th- this is a robust market, and I think we're it's developing into what we know. You know, here's what a good quarterback costs. Here's what a good left tackle costs. Here's what a good, you know, uh, wide receiver costs. And and I think then you can multiply that by the the years of eligibility they have remaining.
1: And and. I get all of that, and I'm I'm in favor of athletes being able to to capitalize and monetize that their value. The thing that still eludes me, and and maybe it is the appearances in a city, right? Like if you're gonna play somewhere else, we're signing up for you know Sunday 8 a.m. appearances at a children's <laughs> hospital in Raleigh. So you know if you're gonna play in at you know Alabama, you're gonna have to be in Raleigh Sunday morning. Like maybe that's it. I just I I think there's some type of agreement that the players are are signing themselves up for that they can't get out of and i just don't know how that's enforced when it comes to these these agreements
2: yeah and i don't either that that Mm -hmm. is one of my huge questions like what is the player actually committing to in order to receive the payment from the collective
1: and how Um, difficult is it to get out of that if they want to or is it impossible to get out of that if they want to
2: i don't it's probably not impossible because we've seen a lot of players already you know alleged breach of contract on on behalf of the other ones and we saw the case down in florida where they committed what 14 million dollars and then the boosters were like uh no we're not going to pay that and the player eventually got out of that i think he went to arizona Mm -hmm. so i mean this is a new obviously and you know it better than anybody this is kind of a new realm of college football that we're trying to figure out i mean for instance i called nc state yesterday and said are you guys going to say that KC is coming back, or that he's not entering the transfer <laughs> portal? And 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 NC State was sort of like, well, we don't normally comment when a player is with eligibility is coming <laughs> back to to campus. And I said, yeah, but I, I mean, that's true. They don't. It's just kind of a whole new world, you know, as we see now. Max Johnson announcing he's coming to UNC before Drake Mays even announced that he's leaving. I mean, the the,
1: the portal moves so fast. And and based on Matt Rule, Max Johnson probably adds. I mean, that's probably a pretty. You know, if we're connecting dots from different places in the college football world, that's probably a pretty lucrative day for Max Johnson. Yeah, I, I had heard that the 2 million
2: was sort of the number, and we've seen, not, not in connection with Max Johnson, but mm-hmm. in, in connection with, you know, quarterbacks leaving. And We saw mm-hmm. Devin Leary leave. We saw Sam Hartman leave. I mean, this the, we, now we saw Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina and, and K.J. Jefferson, who's a senior at mm-hmm. Arkansas, enter the portal. I think what we're also seeing is if you don't have, if you're not going to get drafted or you're going to be a free agent, Hey, let's, let's use that last year of eligibility. Let's go in the portal and find, you know, whatever school is willing to pay us. And and it's probably going to be a pretty decent number.
1: If a college quarterback is making between one and 2 million, you're making more than Brock Purdy, which (laughs) that's amazing. I mean, exactly. I don't need, I don't, that wasn't a question. I just wanted that in the world as, as kind of a a thing we, we can say, Uh, Brian, we appreciate you for joining us as always. and, And we'll keep following along with all your reporting. All right. Thanks Tim.
0: score with the Jim Allen Group at the jagadvantage.com. Equal
1: housing opportunity.